0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right, well don't raise your hand, but uh, how many of you like change? If you think about that, most of us will say that we don't. But if you would, take your Bibles out and turn to Genesis chapter 22. I'm fixing to preach. That's a little bit different than we're used to. Uh, this morning on Father's Day, uh, Happy Father's Day, you know, we uh, I've said this before, we kind of make a big ordeal about moms, and we should, and uh, fathers, we kind of just uh, have a happy Father's Day and move on. And we can kind of tell by the number at the church this morning, boy, Mother's Day, we was packed. Father's Day, we all slip in, I think. So uh, that's us fathers sometimes, but I want to talk this morning about Father Abraham, and y'all. Uh, He's not our father, of course, the father of the Jewish nation, and uh, the Bible says that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. So I think when we think about what God has called Abraham to be, the father of many nations, and we think about uh, what Abraham has done and what he did as the father of many nations, and we as fathers today can pick up some interesting things. And not only uh, fathers, but all of us here today uh, can see some things, I think, about Abraham, about uh, the father of many nations, and about worship. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about worship. The reason I kind of changed up our order this morning is I want us to, uh, we worship in many ways. We worship through music and through giving. We worship through the message, I hope. And uh, this morning, we're going to kind of talk about worship, and then we're going to close our our, our service uh, with our music, and then I want to wrap up for just a few minutes at the very end. But it seems that very few Christians know a lot about true worship. And uh, Charles Stanley, I'm sure you all have heard of him, he once said that he believed most Christians in most churches have never worshipped God. He says, we go to church, but we don't worship. We sing songs, but we don't worship. We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. And all of these things are elements of worship, now that's important they're all elements of worship but they do they're not worship in and of themselves which means you can do all of them yet fail to truly worship God and we often as Christians make the mistakes of the means of worship rather than worship itself and i think that's really a true statement uh, uh a man was uh, a man told a story about his son's 6th birthday that was approaching and he mentioned that uh his son mentioned that he wouldn't mind having a party and then uh his son was usually very specific about the kind of presents he wanted so much so uh he would say something like well i i have this uh this desire and i've planned this out i would like a baseball glove you can find it at Toys are us on roll aisle six between the batting helmets and the uh, Perchisi board or something like that. Or he'd say, "I'd like a, a a baseball and you can find it here on this aisle and on this shelf and this is what it will look like." And and that's kind of how my daughter is. She uh, if she wants something she you know Bond Ward won't work for her on scarves. I found out so if she's very specific about what she wants and and so this dad he he thought the same. Same thing was coming, so he said, "Well, what what do you want uh, on your birthday?" And his son's uh, request was a lot different. He says, "Dad, I'd like a ball to play with for my birthday." So his dad said, "Great, what kind of ball?" And he said, "Oh, I don't know, either a football or a soccer ball, either will be fine. Uh, which uh, which do you want? You know, I, I I I need you to tell me more about it." And he said, "Well, uh, what I was thinking about is." Um, if you had a buy a football, uh, sometime this year we could go out into the yard and we could throw it back and forth. But if you're really going to be busy this year, maybe you just get me a soccer ball because I can play soccer with the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. And the dad thought about it a moment. He said, well, let me just surprise you. How does that sound? So the little boy smiled and said, oh, that'll be great. Dad, I really love you. So the dad went in and he shared this little encounter with his wife and together they agreed that their son was not as much interested in the gift as he was interested in the giver of the gift. And you know, when it comes to worship, I think true worship we understand that the the God is not as interested in uh in what we bring in our songs and, and what we say and what we do as he is and us coming and worshiping Him. In other words, we're coming into His presence, and we we're, we don't come to be entertained, but we come to worship God. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We want to sit back and relax and enjoy the program. And And I think churches have kind of geared that way, and we have a certain extent. And, and I don't want you to come and, and be miserable and, and be hot and be bored and fall asleep halfway through, but at the same time, we're, we're not here for ourselves, we're here to worship, amen? That's the reason we come, is we come to worship. And we've gotten the whole concept of worship backwards, it seems like. It seems like today, uh, the pastor and the worship leaders, we come and we're the entertainers and, and then the audience is here and we're here to be entertained. But the, the truth of the matter, if we want to get worship the theme, we are the performers as the church. And, and as we come pastors and leaders and people of the church, our audience is God. So we worship and we're worshiping God the Father and He's looking upon this place. And a lot of times we pray that, that God, as you, as you observe us today and as you are in our presence today, it's our prayer that you would be pleased. That's our point and that's our purpose of worship. So when we look in Genesis chapter 22, we find the word, the word worship. It appears for the very first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22. That's the first place that we find the word worship. And I want us to look into this episode this morning of, of the life of Abraham and see what he can teach us about true worship of God. And if you would, in in uh, Genesis chapter 22... Now, I've, I've thrown the, the Scriptures off a little bit uh, back there. You, they probably don't have them all together, but we're going to read through this. And we're going to read Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. We'll read all the way through verse... Verse 19, this kind of jumps in the middle of Abraham's life, and you may be familiar with his story, but sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I'll tell you about. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went up together, and Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, I just want to take a time out right here. Isn't it interesting that Isaac... Uh, had seen his father worship enough that he already knew what the elements of worship was for this time. He recognized that when we go to to worship God on this mountain, we would bring fire and we bring wood and we bring a lamb. So there's already a history. There's already something that has been taught, that has been passed down to his son. And in verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from him, called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you, fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, The Lord Will Provide, and to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will take possession of cities and of their enemies. And, though your, and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed there in Beersheba. So I want us to look at five elements of worship this morning, and we're going to move through these rather quickly. But I want you to really think about these when it comes to true worship. Because we see what happened in the life of Abraham when he truly worshipped God and we see these five elements, then we see a great blessing that followed. We've talked over the last eight weeks up till today about God came that we'd have life and we'd have it more abundantly. And God desires that we'd have an abundant life. And we find that abundant life, even this is not a part of that series, but we find that in the elements of true worship. And the first thing we find, uh, an elephant, uh, an, element, an elephant, an element of true, worship is this, is revelation, okay? Revelation. Now, we we can turn to the book of Revelation, and you know the book of Revelation is this. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ. That's all the book of Revelation is. So when we think about revelation, I want us to think about when we truly worship, the first step of worship is revelation. Now, on this story and this thing we see in Abraham's life, it begins with God revealing himself to Abraham. God comes, he, he reveals himself to Abraham and he begins to speak to him. And that true worship is based on the revelation of God. When we come together on Sunday mornings and, and fathers, when, we are, when we're leading our families in worship, that all starts with, with not on our dislikes or not on our likes. It, it doesn't start based on our, perfor- our personal preferences, or our personal priorities it's based solely on the revelation of God himself as we find him in scriptures, so as we come to worship and I know for us a lot of times it is personal preference or it's priorities when we go to churches and when we when we become involved in that church, but really uh, when we have God revealed to us through his word that 's when we move to the point. Of worship, so when we think about our worship services here, I want us to think about this: Are they based solely on the Bible? Are they biblical? Because if our worship services are built around what the Bible says, if they're biblical, if the music is biblical, if the sermon is biblical, then then our if our prayers are biblical, then then that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation of God Himself. And when we come to this part, it's vitally important that our worship be biblical. And I want you to ask yourself that when we come to church, or is God being revealed to me? And 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 if if I ask that question, are our services biblical? I wanna I wanna answer that question with a with a little story about James. Uh Michener, he he wrote in his book The Source and the Source it's a it's a historic novel about the history of Israel now I'm going to talk about sacrifices and these are true so it's not it's not fictional but it's it's this was a novel but it was about the history of Israel he tells a story about a man named Erbro U R B A A L Urbal is what I'm going to say that is. He was living about 2,200 years before Christ. He worshipped two different gods. He worshipped the God of death, and he worshipped the goddess of fertility. Now, we can find those in Scripture, but we're not going to do that. One day, the temple priest told Urbal to come and to bring his young son as a temple sacrifice. Now, this happened in pagan worship during that time. He said if he wants to have good crops, he wanted to have blessings, and you need to bring your son, and he needs to become a, a sacrifice. So Yerba, he obeys on the appointed day. He drags his wife and the boy to the scene of the boy's religious execution by the, the death from the fire god. After the sacrifice of Yubal's boy and several others, the priest announced that one of the fathers got to spend the next week in the temple with a new temple prostitute. Eubel's wife says she was stunned when she noticed that the desire written more intensely across his face than she had ever seen before. She was overwhelmed to see him eagerly lunge forward when his name was called. The ceremony was over, and she walked out of the temple with her head swimming, concluding that, and here's the, 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 kind of the moral of the story, if he had a different God, he would have been a different man. The truth of the matter is, because of the kind of God we worship, that's the kind of person we become. The kind of God we worship, that's the kind of person we become. That's why we need to make sure that when we worship, we're worshiping a biblical God. Because if we're worshiping a God made of our own fashion, if we're worshiping a God that is the kind of God we desire and that we make up and that we say, I like this part about God, I don't like this part about God, so I'm just going to develop my own kind of God, that's the kind of person we become. So when we worship, we need to be sure we're worshiping Biblically, you know we we have football teams and baseball teams and all kinds of different different athletic events, and I'm sure even in other uh, avenues, when it when it comes time to to play a game, so to speak, we have a a playbook, we have a directions, or we have something that the other team, you know, baseball players they they study film of pitchers and batters, and and I think a, a lot of times we miss this that catcher that's back there catching. You know, he knows what the batter can hit, what he can't hit. He knows if he, if he has trouble hitting a low outside ball or if he swings at something that's high and fast. And so the catcher studies all of those stuff. He studies all of those playbooks that, that when he gets behind the plate, he knows exactly what to call. And sometimes they hit the ball and it goes out of the park and you'll hear the, the, uh, the, the coach at the end of the, uh, game on an interview say, well, I called for that pitch to be low and outside and it got away from him and he threw it right down the middle. And, but, but that's what, that's what an understanding of the playbook and putting things together and, and as, as worshipers, we, we need to simply do more than come and sing and listen. And, and we need to be prepared. And we need to, as we're prepared, we begin to study the book. And, and our playbook is the Bible. And, and I think as we begin to prepare through the Bible, then we begin to see God revealed. And as God is revealed to us, then at that point we can worship God. Which brings to the second point is preparation. The revelation that Abraham received from God, it was hard to hear. I'd love to go back and talk about Abraham... And think about all that he went through to finally have his son. You know, he he didn't come for a hundred years. He was promised. Abraham had already tried some things on his own. and, And finally, he gets the promised son. So, this, this revelation that God made to Abraham, it, it had to be hard to hear, but listen, he made preparations. He immediately began, he got his servants together, he cut the wood for the burnt offering, he saddled his donkey, he, he got his son, he set out, he, he did all of those things that were appropriate preparations. Now, I want to ask you this morning, how many times, and I'm, I'm including myself, do we prepare for worship? I mean, how many times do we get up and, and we're, we're preparing to come worship? We've, we've set aside some times and we've, we've said, all right, God, uh, I've, I've been in your word and maybe even this morning you got up early and you got in God's word and you, where were some things revealed about God's word and you begin to pray and you begin to prepare mentally for worship. If we truly want to worship, it takes some preparation, and we see that in the life of Abraham. There's a, a story about Dante. He was a, he was a, an Italian poet, a, a, a poet, and y'all have probably heard of him, but uh, he was there in a church service. It says he was deeply immersed in meditation and church service, and he failed to kneel down at the appropriate time. His enemies, they hurried to the bishop and he demanded that Dante be punished for his sacrilege. And Dante defended himself by saying, listen, if those who had accused me had had their eyes and minds on God as I had, then they too would have failed to notice the events around them. And they most certainly would have not noticed what I was doing. Like Dante, we need to get our minds and our eyes on God. When we come to worship, we need to, we need to be prepared and we need to be able to turn our minds. We need to pray, God, just block out the distractions. I know we have all kinds of things that we uh, we deal with during the week. We have workers and employees and we have jobs and we have burdens and we have, uh, we have financial needs and we have needs at home. We have all the things. When we come to worship and we prepare our minds, we need to be able to set apart God and we need to be able to spend some time just saying, look, God, I want to focus on When you think about all the things we prepare for, we prepare for work, we prepare for vacation, we prepare for school or exams, we prepare for meals, we even take time to prepare to go to bed. But how often do we come and we fail to prepare ourselves for worship? We may go to church and we may may do all of these things, but to really prepare to worship. We need to think about the revelation of God. And if God is revealing Himself to us, then we move to the point of worship. Now, as I said a while ago, we've kind of changed our song service up. And and the reason we sing at the first of the service is why? Hopefully what we do through our time of song is we are revealing to ourselves who God is. Through the songs we're singing, we're revealing what God is and what God does. And as we sing about and as we hear songs and we see the words of the songs, as God is revealed to us, then our hearts begin to be prepared for worship. This morning, we're going to do that as we close. But so we have a revelation of God. Then we have preparation we make to worship. And then there was a time of separation here. We see that Abraham, some point of his journey, he left his servants behind. That's, that's a very possible that, that they would have interfered when they realized what was going on with the sacrifice. I mean, he's going to sacrifice his only son. As far as Abraham knew, that was going to happen. You know, if he had brought his servants with, they would have interfered with that. And for us in worship, I think sometimes we need to we need to separate ourselves and and draw our minds away from from anything that would that would keep us from focusing on God. And I think when we begin to separate our things, and I, I'm thinking about things like our work and our family and our finances and and things that draw our attention away from God. I've said in so many sermons, you know, I grew up in church. All my life, I've been in church, and I'm going to be fifty. Five this year so I've sat through a lot of sermons I've sat through some dull ones boy y'all have too I know and I've sat through some long ones and I've I've thought about fishing and race cars and what was for lunch and I've thought about everything and if the preacher had said what did I preach about this morning I'd have just had to say sin you know I mean that's pretty good that's pretty good chance we, we hit that but you know I think that's sometimes how Satan can do to us. He can just get our minds chasing all kinds of things. And I think there's time that we need to separate our mind. We need to, we need to truly come and we need to, as, as God has, as has revealed himself to us, and as we begin to prepare our hearts, we need to begin working towards separating our minds away from the things that would distract us from God. So there's a time of separation during a, a a tenure that Henry Ward Beecher he was a he was a great preacher and people from all over the, the the area would come hear him preach and I read this story Beecher's brother had to substitute for him one time and and a large audience had come and assembled to hear this great preacher Henry Ward Beecher preaching and, and when the substitute pastor stepped into the pulpit several disappointed listeners they began to get up and move towards the exits the minister stood there and he said loudly all of you who have come here today to worship Henry Ward Beecher you may withdraw now from the church but all who have come to worship God please remain seated you know, sometimes our mind, we prepare for something and and we say, well, I need to do this and I have these distractions. And, and Abraham, he came and as he was going to worship God on the mountain, he said, you know, I need to separate these things that would cause me to waver away from what God would have me to do. And And we don't come together this morning to worship the preacher or the music or the singer or the instruments, but we come to worship God and God alone. And, fathers, when we do that, we're leaving those examples for our children. Here's the fourth thing we see in the life of Abraham as he worshiped we see dedication. Abraham dedicated his son Isaac. To God. Now, I've thought about this a lot. Boy, how traumatic had that to be on Isaac? You know, how traumatic was that to, to see what was happening? And I, I think we could go off and, and really think about all the things and implications that has to go with that. But it wasn't like he had 12 sons. Isaac was his only son. Did you notice how many time, times that, that it says, Isaac, your only son? Isaac, your only son. Isaac, your only son. Isaac was the promised son that God had promised Abraham years earlier. Isaac was the only son that could carry along the, the Abraham's family name to, to become a great nation. It was Isaac. It was all it was. It was, it was Isaac that, that held all the promises of God. But but Abraham he was completely dedicated to God. He 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 stood there holding knife. He was dedicated to God and he he realized because God had revealed himself and because he had prepared himself and because he had separated himself out to worship God that he was dedicated. And and isn't it interesting on the way up the mountain when Isaac said, "Well dad, wait a minute. We have the fire, we have the wood, but we don't have the lamb." Abraham said, "You know what, son? God himself will provide a lamb." See, he was dedicated to God. He said, doesn't matter what's going to happen. I believe God will provide. When we come to that point of worshiping and we come to that point of realizing we're dedicated to God and and things may not seem right to us and things may not be going the way we thought they should go, but when we're dedicated to God, we realize that God, He Himself is going to provide. True worship is always costly, True worship requires our best for God. He desires that we bring Him our best, not our second best and not that which is left over. Abraham, his only son, the best he had, he was willing to dedicate to God. And we find that in his worship. So there's dedication in worship. And here's the last thing. There's proclamation. We see that... In his life, in the life of Abraham, the father of many nations, he had a a revelation from God. He went and prepared himself for for worship. He separated himself from the distractions. He was dedicated to God, no matter what. And then here's the last thing: there's proclamation in the verses eleven through fourteen. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh is that word used there. By doing so, he was proclaiming that the nature and the work of God, he was proclaiming this is what God has done. And and as he proclaimed that, it says that place is still known that God will provide. He was declaring this is God and this is what God has done. That is what praise is. Now I want you to hear these last two statements before we move on. Praise is proclaiming what God has done. That's what praise is. That's easy to remember. If we praise our kids, we're we're proclaiming what they've done. We're praising them. So, So praise is proclaiming what God has done. Worship is proclaiming who God is. So we praise, we proclaim what God has done. We worship when we proclaim who God is. We're going to close our, our service here in just a moment with some songs. And, and in these songs, I hope you'll think about as we praise together, we're recognizing what God has done for us. And as we worship together, we're proclaiming who God is. I want to ask you, when's the last time you told someone what God has done for you? I mean, you've just told them, "Hey, this is what this is what God has done." We all have good news to share, and and if you have good news, if you if you uh, win uh, a shotgun at a raffle, you tell everybody, don't you? Well, you're not going to believe this. I won it. I won something. I, I I won this. I I won a Yeti cooler at work one time, a sixty quart cooler for giving to the United Way. I tell that cooler, and right now somebody say, oh, I can't afford them coolers. I won that thing, you know, and I tell them the whole story. I want it. Good news. We love to proclaim good news. And Abraham, he proclaimed some good news. He said, you know, I had my son, and I was going to sacrifice my son, but God provided, and he proclaimed what God has done, and worship truly is a revelation of God. It's preparing our hearts. It's separating from distractions, It's being dedicated to God in all situations, and then it's proclamation. Father, this morning I pray that as we really think about the leaders of our family, and we think about fathers, Lord, we know that your desire is that we would lead out in praise and worship of you. Above our families, above our jobs, above all we have, Lord, that you would be first, and we'd be dedicated to you first. And then, Father, these other things, they would come along, and Lord, as they come along, Father, we would just understand that, that we proclaim who you are in our daily lives. Father, I pray as we see in Abraham's life that those that look up to us, our children and those in our homes, Father, they would see that worship is a part of who we are. It's not simply something simply that we come through on a a, a Sunday every now and then, and we We sit and hear what the preacher has to say, and we leave, but it's something that we're committed to day after day after day. Lord, I pray today as we sing to you now that, Lord, we would open our voices and our hearts in praise to you, Lord, proclaiming what you have done. And, Father, as we reveal what you have done, as that is revealed to us through song, and, Father, as you've been revealed this morning through Scripture, we would move to the point of our life, in our heart, in this place today, that we truly would worship you. We would proclaim, Father, who you are, more than just what you've done, but who you are for us and who you are in our hearts. Lord, as we continue to sing this morning, as we lift our voice to you, I pray again, you would be pleased as we, your church, worship you and lift our voice to you. In Jesus' name not going to keep you, but I do want to close up with a couple of things. When we go and look at Abraham, there's two things that happened, and and, uh, this is where we're going to close this morning, and then we're going to have a short invitation. Verses 11 and 12 talks about restoration. When Abraham looked at these various elements of worship, and though he didn't lay them out this way, uh, there was some restoration to his father. As I've said, Abraham... Throughout his life, he had tried some wrong thing. He lied about his wife. He uh, had a child through his, one of his wife's concubines. He did all of those things to try to fix what God was doing. And God had a plan. Through this, there was restoration. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There's restoration in worship. If you're living in a dry, thirsty land, there's restoration in worship. And the last thing, there's confirmation. God confirmed His, His covenant with Abraham. Remember, years ago, God had made a covenant with Abraham. There were years and years and years passed. Nothing ever happened. As there was restoration that took place between God the Father and Father Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel... God reaffirmed his covenant with Abraham. He He said, you know, I, I, I promised you that your your uh, descendants would be numerous, and he reaffirmed that that confirmation. So for us, when we come to the point of true worship, in that we find restoration, and in that we also find confirmation. It says in verse 19, and this is where we're going to close, that Abraham left that mountain... And he returned to Beersheba, where he was from. What I want us to close with today is think about this. You know, Abraham went, he worshipped the Lord, he found restoration, he found confirmation, and then he took it with him. He didn't leave it on the mountain, he didn't leave it there, but he carried it back to his home, and he returned to Beersheba with that. And this morning, I hope that as we go from this place, as we return to our homes, as we go back to the workplace, we would take what we have today, and we would take the worship we have today, we would carry it with us beyond the doors of this building. And we wouldn't simply be here on Sunday morning for an hour to worship, but we would come prepared, and that worship would carry us through the rest of the week. Father, Lord, I pray this morning. As we look at the life of Abraham and we realize, Father, that uh, you desire that we truly worship you. As you reveal yourself to us through Sunday school time, you reveal yourself to us through song, where you reveal yourself to us through your word. Father, there's many ways that you reveal to us, Father. I pray that as we have that revelation of who Jesus Christ is, Lord, we would come prepared to worship you. Father, we'd be spend some time in this Word, and in this Word, we would just prepare our hearts. We would be separated from the distractions of the day as we come to this place, and Lord, we'd be dedicated to You, whatever the circumstance may be, that we'd be able to turn our eyes upon You. And Father, through that, there'd be proclamation throughout the week that we would take with us what we hear and what we find and what we experience in this worship service. And Father, we'd take that with us out into the work field, out into the world, because we know your scripture says the the fields are white unto harvest, and there needs workers to go to proclaim your gospel, to proclaim your good news. Lord, I pray Sundays would be a time that we recharge our batteries, we'd get spiritually pumped up, and then, Father, we'd go out into this world and we'd be proclaiming your word to a world that desperately needs healing. In Jesus' name.